0: It is so hot. The Burnett's cows are giving evaporated milk. This but thank the Lord for this very comfortable auditorium. But while we're certainly comfortable in here, I pray that your spirit will warm to the things of God, and especially, I think, because our topic is so important. We're in the Commands of Christ series. Today is, according to my calculation, our calculation, the seventeenth of that not sure how long it'll be. we'll take some breaks along the way but today five commandments for givers. It's been said there are two types of people in the world: givers and takers. The takers, they eat better, but the givers, they sleep better. And for what I've seen over the years, it's true. The happiest people are certainly those who have a giver's heart. It's uncanny, really. There seems to be almost an unwritten law that life gives to the givers and takes from the takers. It's not that successful people are givers, which they usually are, but it's more that givers are successful. Now, the wonderful thing about this truth of a generous heart, a giver's heart, is that it is a universal and wonderful quality. It's not something that either you have or you don't have, you're born with. No, it is actually something that any one of us can cultivate. Now, to be true, there are spiritual gifts like the gift of giving, but God can help all of us have a giver's heart. How many of you know this morning... That we serve a giving God. How many know that this morning? We serve a giving God. I think the half-brother of our Lord Jesus, James, said it best in James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift, every... Just stop for a second. Everything. Everything good comes from God. Every good gift and perfect gift. That's, of course... The Lord our Savior, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. If it's good and it was given to you, it's from God, my friend. It cometh down. It doesn't mean, it says, we don't work it up. It says, it comes down from the Father of lights. He is a light-giving God, like we sang just a moment ago. With whom there is no variableness book of Malachi says, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. Neither is there even a shadow of turning. He doesn't even turn His back on us. Folks, I'm telling you this morning, our God is a giver. It's in His very nature. It's in the earth itself. From the beginning, our trees, the fruit, and the wonderful trees that come forth that we're enjoying so much at this season of the year, the wonderful water and moisture that we was given this great winter and that comes to us each year, it only reminds us again that our God is a giving God. It only stands to reason then if our God is such a giving God and if it's part of His very nature and if it actually goes back to creation itself, then God gave us some ideas, in fact we would say commandments to both cultivate and motivate us towards generosity in our heart. I like the old story about the guy who came to church with his family. As they were driving home afterwards, he was complaining about everything. Sometimes they do. He said the music was too loud. The sermon is too long. The announcements were just unclear. The building was hot. The people were unfriendly. He went on complaining about virtually everything. Finally, his very observant son, said, well, Dad, you've got to admit, it wasn't a bad show for just a dollar. Yes, these little ones will certainly help us understand our priorities, won't they? But whether you put a dollar in today or whether you put a thousand, it makes no difference. We're going to learn how to be givers. Let's ask God's power and blessing and a mind of God as we look into His Word. Father, we thank you for this great truths today. Thank you that, Lord, you don't just let us go on our own without reminding us. I am so grateful, Lord, you have brought so many people into my life to both teach me about generosity and so many times, Lord, be such an illustration of it. And I pray that, Lord, this morning that those who've been maybe a Christian for a few weeks, or maybe not even a Christian this morning, and others who are longtime veterans, Lord, each one of us would again get a fresh vision of this great truth. In Jesus' name. How do we become givers? That is, just a a giver's heart. What steps do we take to become generous people? Well, actually, they're more than steps. They're actually commands. Commands, divine instruction that will lead us to the blessed life. Now, we all know that there are hundreds. Of course, you know the Big Ten commands in the Old Testament. Many also know there are hundreds of other commands commands, civil and moral and ceremonial commands in the Old Testament, which not only are commands, but they serve more than just premises, but promises for the things of God. But he also commands in the New Testament. In fact, there are actually more commands in the New Testament than in the Old, about 900 of them. These are things that God says we should do, or things that we should not do. But in both cases, they're a command. They are something, they're not a suggestion. We need to do this. And that's why we're calling this series The Commands of Christ And that in the New Testament, Christ is front and center. Now, what you're about to hear this morning could challenge you, so you might want to take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath, put your big boy pants on, and listen this morning. But actually, I must admit, I've always appreciated it when a minister speaks about money. Personally, when a pastor challenges me to be more generous and to be a giver, I have found I really need that. Because my human flesh is has a, such a tendency to be a penny pincher. A little too thrifty. One person said, you're too frugal. I said, I'm not buying it. But anyway... Um, So after the message, if you want to thank me for such a great message and a reminder to be generous, just come by the lobby and give me a thumbs up, all right? If you want to complain, our security team has a special form for you in the lobby. Oh, there we go. Anyway. All right. Nazi Holocaust survivor Anne Frank whose selfless life touched thousands, said this, no one has ever become poor by giving. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Five commandments for givers. Number one, let's look at them. Give freely, the Bible says. Give freely, willingly, without being asked, open-heartedly. We need to be givers. In the first gospel, Matthew chapter 10, we're given instructions that were actually given first to Jesus young colleagues his disciples these most of these men were 20 something from all walks of life he gave them a commission to go out and to do the work of the ministry and here's what he said in fact let's read verse 8 together would you hear let's read it out loud together ready to begin heal the sick cleanse the lepers Raise the dead. Cast out the devils. Freely ye have received. Freely give. Now if you roll back a couple of verses, you'll note that it says He commanded them. Verse number 5. This is a commandment. And the commandment is to go out and to preach the same doctrine that He had been preaching. And then, the wonderful God that He is, He gave them special empowerments as ministers, as apostles, as disciples. He gave them a medical ministry. He said, I want you to heal the sick. How many of you know this morning that when you get right with God, it affects everything? And many times, we're a more healthy person. He gave them strength in healing ministry, in cleansing lepers. He gave them ability of the ultimate grief ministry. He allowed them to temporarily raise some of the people back from life. They were been dead, or back to life from the dead. And so uh, they didn't get to stay that way forever, but for a time they were given back to their family. And then the ultimate deliverance ministry, casting out devils, which in many respects is almost a counseling ministry, just helping people get rid of their demons. And so God gave them this great ministry. And the Lord made it clear that he wanted each of them to go out and do this work. But here's what he said. Now, as you go out, it's gonna, you're going to bless people. But I want you to know, I want you to make sure that as you do it, you do it freely. Freely, without charge. Like we like to say, gratis. When I was in my early 20s, I was privileged to oversee a large church bus ministry to the underprivileged in each Los Angeles. It was a great blessing to be able to offer transportation and little gifts free of charge. Many of the homes, most of the homes really, spoke Spanish only. And so in order to get them on the bus and bring them back to where our church was, I had to learn several Spanish words. Enough to get them on the bus. I learned, ¿cuántos niños? How many kids do you have? You know, transportation, uh, el buso or bus or something like that. And then I would say, gratis, gratis. Well, they liked that word because that meant free. Everything was free. Well, you know what? Not only did those folks like the word, and not only do I like that word, God likes it too. God is looking for people who will give with gratis, with gratis, with freedom. The economic conditions in the first world of Israel that Jesus was talking about here were very challenging. The average Israelite was probably uh, an agrarian. He worked in the agriculture. Many of them were also shepherds. Some were people who worked in shops and carpentry and things like that. But whatever the case was, uh, it was a difficult season. As such, they were susceptible to anybody who would come along and promise them a better life. Of course, there were religious hucksters who would definitely take advantage of that. And so the Lord tells these young pastors, he said, look, always remember this. When you go out to these people, they've been taken advantage of by the world and unfortunately by a lot of religious hucksters. He said, when you do ministry, make sure that you just bless them without charge. You just let them know that they are given this because of God. Now, in order for us to have a giver's heart, I think it tells us a great reminder about this, and that is this. We've got to change the way we think about money. We have to have this in our spirit that it's not about money. We've got to get over the idea that the money is ours and that we're the owners. As the Lord reminded us, He said, freely you have received. It came to you free of charge, really. Freely give. You say, well, I've worked hard. Friends, it doesn't make any difference how hard you've worked, how much diligence you've applied, or how smart you are. It is always this, but by the grace of God, there go I. Everything we have is from God. That's why James says every good gift comes down from God. It's God. It's He alone that keeps our heart beating. Did you? It's He alone that keeps your lungs breathing. Do you? It's He alone that keeps your mind working. Do you do that? No. That is God. Therefore, the most vital step we take towards becoming a giver and not a taker, is thinking about money in the right way. Remember what Scripture said earlier? He said every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from God. We must realize that it wasn't ours to begin with. It was given to us. If it's given to us, then in a sense, we're an act of charity on God's behalf. All of us came into this world with nothing. And but for the grace of God, we'd be laying in a hospital bed somewhere, unable to make anything. But for the grace of God, we'd be here or there. Folks, everything we have, it is the grace of God that has been given to us. And I can tell you for sure, and you know this, one thing is for sure, we will not go out of this world with anything in our hands. In between the beginning and the end then, Almighty God says, here's the deal, I'm going to give you the opportunity to manage what you have. And I want you to bless others and strengthen the kingdom of God with my stuff. He wants us to use it on His behalf so that His work gets done and His purposes are accomplished. You'd say, well, I have a family to support. Yes, God allows us to use His money to support our family. You'd say, well, what about my future? Yes, thank the Lord. He gives us That to secure a good future. But also He gives it so that we can extend the faith. Family and future and faith. And for sure, the Bible wants us to enjoy what He gives us. He's not against us being able to enjoy that which He gives us. But we are never the owners. We never have been the owners. And we will never be the owners. All that we have, all that we ever have, all that we will have until we get to heaven has been freely given to us. And so God desires. No, He doesn't just desire. He commands. He said, now look, this is my money and I want you to use it biblically. Not like Mr. and Mrs. Miser we find in 2 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 6. Here the apostle says, now look. He said, giving is about sowing seed. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly for the kingdom and for yourself as well. You see, putting just a little seed in the ground is not only godless, it is brainless. If you don't put any seed in the ground, you will never have a crop. Giving is sowing seeds. What farmer would... Whine and complain when he has to put seeds in the ground. We have some farmers in this room, and they know you've got to work the soil. You've got to plant the seed. There's so many things you have to do. No, they are eager to get it in the ground. Why? Because they know if they don't get it in the ground, they're not going to have a harvest. At the end of the day, if you don't sow, you're not going to reap. And they also know that the more you sow, the more you reap. That's the law of harvest. Actually, that's one of the greatest things that God has given to us about this matter of money. You know, seeds fascinate me, I must admit. Every summertime, I think, when Pauline, she'll cook some of that beautiful white sweet corn and I'll saw it off there and get some butter on and Boy, I just love it for sure. But I think every time I do that, I give a little sermon to her. And if Abby happens to be there, I give a sermon about seeds. I must admit, I get so fascinated by corn, how it's just one or two little kernels, they put that in the ground, and then from that comes this, I mean, you water it up, you make sure that you get it in there, and then the, like the ground just blows it out of the ground. Pretty soon, you see these stalks, you can almost see them growing overnight, just amazing. And then there's one ear, two ears, how many ears on one stalk, and each of those ears have so many kernels. Folks, how does that work? God said it's the law of the harvest. You put in a kernel, and I'm telling you, it just explodes with possibility. A wise man once said, any fool can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the numbers of an apple in a seed. When we give freely, we are sowing seeds that are going to go beyond what we could ever imagine. There are countless blessings in every seed. Not only do we get a blessing the moment we give it, but we get blessed again when we see it in the lives of people. As John mentioned a few moments ago, the giving that was done, what a blessing to see it pour forth fruit. And then to watch those who got a blessing turn around and be a blessing. So I got a blessing during the giving. I got a blessing when I see it become fruit. And then to watch the fruit bear more fruit I mean we get blessed three times four times it's just amazing. I must admit sometimes I come around here and see all this being done I just I just can't stand it I feel so blessed and I know that not only did I but so many work hard for so many years and it's such a great blessing to watch what God is doing. He just said that an angel and a selfish child of God were' having a conversation. And the believer whined, must I keep giving again and again? (laughs) Oh no, the angel said, as his eyes pierced him through. Just give until the master stops giving to you. And so this morning, the first commandment is to give freely. We've been all given so much, and it came to us totally freely. Then we should in turn give freely. Number two, God said give abundantly. Give abundantly. Often. A lifestyle of giving. And God says it will come back to you. In Dr. Luke's wonderful gospel, Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, look at that verse. He starts off about as strong as you can. Give. There you go. Give. Now, Strong's lexicon, a good little Bible tool for you to get, you can get an actual lexicon, a book, or you can go online and use them. The Strong's lexicon says about this particular word that it is in the present imperative command. I am not a big grammar person in English and certainly not Greek, but I do enough to know that present imperative command makes sense. Present meaning that it is something we need to do every day. It's not something sometime or in the past, no, we constantly do it. Present imperative, that is something that's non-optional, and it's a command. God says give. That's not a if or a maybe. No, we need to have a giver's heart. Make that part of your everyday life. And, here's a transitional word. So, be a giver, and here's what's going to happen. It shall be given to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together, running over, shall men given to your bosom. That word there is the Greek word called pas. It is the word for lap. Literally, God says, "I will throw things into your lap." Now, what He was referring to, and that was the whole illustration here, is that most Israelis during this season would have long garments, several layers. One of the layers was tucked in their belt. And they could pull it out, put it over their head for shelter, but they could also pull it out and they would go up and get grain. The grain would be put into their lap. And then it could be shaken, it could be pressed down, and they could get as much as you could hope for. It says, for with the same measure, now here's the principle, that you meet or you give with all it shall be measured to you again. And so our great God says, it will be given to you again. If you are that kind of a giver, if you're an abundant giver, you can be sure it will be given back to you. As you deal with others, it will be dealt to you. As you deal with God, it will be dealt back to you. It's abundant giving. It's not merely given back, however. He said it's a bonus giving. It's a blessing giving. And it is so close to home it's right in your lap. You'd say, well, Pastor, um, I've, uh, I've given and I didn't get it back. Well, it's true. Some of the blessings that we get from giving aren't in this life. And they're going to be in the next life. And you can be sure they're going to come. But the Lord's command does clearly state, shall men give into your bosom? Mankind. Humans. So what he's saying here is that, yes, there are future heavenly blessings, to be sure. And we can't make God be like a genie. You know, you rub the bottle and automatically we get it. But on the other hand, God said, you can be sure that you're going to get earthly or mankind blessings. They're coming your way. He said, just give abundantly, have a giver's heart, and you will see it come back to you. An abundant giver means that as you go through life, you just look. You have eyes of compassion. I think the greatest example would be our Lord. Mark chapter 6 and verse 34, we see a great example of that. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 34, there He was, Jesus, our wonderful Savior. He's walking through the area and it says, And Jesus, when He came out, saw. He was looking. He had His eyes looking. Many of us don't like to look. We don't look. We avert our eyes from needs. It bothers us. When He came out, He saw much people. Jesus loves people. Do you love people? It's not always easy to love people, but I would tell you, do you have a heart of compassion, it says. He was moved. It touched Him. He was moved with compassion. He felt their heart and their needs. Several years ago, uh, we were privileged. My dear wife, Pauline and I, and Elizabeth and Anthony, son-in-law and daughter, we were privileged to take a goodwill gospel mission trip to the precious people of Thailand. And I think we experienced, in a little way, what our Lord is talking about here. We went to the impoverished tribal people in northern Thailand, up there in the foothills, close to Myanmar. There, we will never forget, it was a desperately poor area. Now, before we were left on this trip, we were told that we would probably get a chance to be around all kinds of children and we could give them small gifts and they would surely love it. And so my wife and Elizabeth and Anthony, they got all kinds of gifts together, little bracelets and uh, little stuffed animals. And so it was a challenge. We got a big box of all that on the plane, (laughs) got it there in Thailand, drug it all the way up there, put it in the back of the truck, finally got it up to those precious people there, those Karen people in the mountains there of Thailand. But I would tell you, when we saw all those precious children, when my wife and daughter and son-in-law there saw those outstretched hands, the brightness of their faces, oh, you couldn't help but be moved with compassion. And what a blessing it was to teach the Word of God and to sing songs to them. And they would translate into Thai and then into their language. It was just incredible. Folks, you cannot put a price on giving. It is just the most thrilling thing. I mean, no matter what we had to do, we were going to make sure we got that done. Now, friend, you don't have to travel halfway across the world to understand there is a great amount of people who could use our love and our concern. Chances are there is someone that you work with. There's someone that you connect with, that you worship with, that could really use a blessing. And as God has given you the opportunity, even in a small way, it will be such a wonderful thing to make life better for them. Being a free and abundant giver, maybe just starting with a little things. For instance, we know the tipping culture has gotten a little crazy in our country, especially with all the little point-of-pay little uh, iPads. Uh, you, you know, you get a dollar ice cream, and they wonder if you want to give $2. Well... I will say this, I it gets kind of crazy, but, you know, if we could just consciously choose to increase our giving like that, you will never go wrong with generosity. Ask God to reveal ways how you could express His love to people. Here's a few thoughts. Maybe as you're walking around, you'll keep your eyes open like Jesus did. He saw people. Do you see people? Do you see concerns? Do you see needs? Do you see the family that has the minivan out there, that has the bald tires? Do you see that? Do you see the family that's struggling to put their child and pay for that education and Life Training Academy? Do you see families that could, with the high cost of food, you could know they live on a single income, you know they could surely use a gift certificate from Walmart. Friends, a giving heart. An abundant giver's heart will just release not only God's blessing on them, but the Bible says, in your very lap. They say that cirrhosis of the giver was discovered in AD 34 by Ananias and Sapphira. It's an acute condition that renders the patient's hands immobile when called upon to direction of their wallet, and especially towards the offering plate, this strange malady is clinically unobservable in such surrounding as a country club, and a clothing store, and a restaurant. As they say, this affliction is actually a symptom of a more basic need, and that is cirrhosis of the soul. My friend, I don't want cirrhosis of a liver or giver. I don't want it. I want to be a free and abundant giver. There is a third command for givers, and that is not only to give freely, but to give abundantly, just over and over again. It's not a one-and-done thing. And then prosperously. That means accordingly or commensurately or proportionally. Now let's go to the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now again, this verse starts with this great word, now. Very obviously, this is a word that's based on something. Now, what is 1 Corinthians 15? 1 Corinthians 15 is this amazing resurrection dissertation. The most glorious doctrinal passage on this great topic. And then he comes to chapter 16. Now, let's don't let our mind just soar into the heavens without getting real practical. Now concerning the collection. Well, that meant they had to be in church, because if you collect it, you're in church, you raise it there. The collection for the saints, as I have given order, it's not an option, this is an order, this is a command, to the churches. A reminder again that God blesses churches. He is in churches. He wants us to be in church. He wants us to be a member of a church. He wants us to be active in a church. God blesses churches, the churches of Galatia. He said, I want you to do the same thing. Verse 2, upon the first day of the week, that is Sunday. John chapter, excuse me, Revelation chapter 1, John, the apostle, called it the Lord's day. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You know, God wants us to make sure that we are in church on the Lord's Day, come there, and to be ready to worship, and part of that is giving. You know, it's a funny thing. Sometimes people kind of get to hung up about giving. A man looks at a new truck and goes to the salesman, and the salesman says, 10% down, and low, low payments for 60 months. That man says, where can I sign? A man goes to church and the pastor shares God's word on tithing. And he said, don't you think he ought to commit to giving 10% to the Lord's work? And that man in horror replies, what? Are you kidding me? With everything the way it is, I couldn't possibly commit to anything like that. But here, God says on the first day of the week, we ought to come and give. Let every one of you lay by him in store. And here's the term, as God has prospered. As God has prospered him. If you would go to the lexicon, you would find that that means according to the journey. According to the journey. As you've journeyed along and you've collected things, then make sure that God gets his part. That there be no gatherings when I come. Do not store up. Hoarding is hellish. This truth is one that will test your faith. So swallow heart. God is saying, I want you to give according to your prosperity. The next step in giving a little is in giving a lot. Giving with an open hand. Willingly letting God take anything out of your hand He desires. You know, many times people in the outside world think that when you come to church you're going to be motivated. Churches motivate by high pressure, you know, arm twisting or something like that. Well, I... I want you to know we don't believe in arm twisting. Now, fingernail pulling, we might do that. I know our ushers are a special force of strength. But uh, the truth is, no, we don't believe in arm twisting or nail pulling. Paul, I love what Paul said about the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians 8. He said, literally, they chased me down to give an offering. <laughs> I must admit, that's oftentimes what I see around this church. I'm am so amazed at this giving art of this church. Did Paul strong arm the Macedonians? No. Why did they give? Because they knew God had prospered them. And they were so grateful. It was a privilege for them to give. And I want to give testimony this morning to the newer attendees of our church and the new members of our church. I want to give testimony this morning about the vintage members of the home church Bible Baptists, Those who have been members for five years or 10 years or 15 years or even longer. They are the most generous, faithful, open-hearted, loyal church members we have ever seen, I have ever seen in my whole life. I will tell you today, we stand on their shoulders and their giving. And I thank God for them. And I'd like you to join me in just giving glory and praise for each of them here this morning. Thank the Lord. It's amazing. It really is. I'm just amazed. But giving prosperously means giving with a open hand. When you give with an open hand, the amazing thing about it is that yes, God can take it out. But the neat, wonderful thing about an open hand is that God can also put stuff in. If our hands are so closed, we can never get further favor from God. Now, I'd like to ask you to do an illustration I, mean, I know it will be hard for some of you. But imagine for a few moments, and if you want to do so, it'd be nice. Take your hand, and for maybe ten seconds, would you just grip that fist as hard as you can? Now, I know some of you men have been grabbing your wife's hand the whole sermon about the giving, but but hold for ten seconds, all right? One, two, real hard. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, let go. Now, doesn't that feel better to let go? It does. It feels so much better. Oh, it all feels better. You know, a lot of people are going through life just like that. Only it's not just 10 seconds. It's 10 years. It's 50 years. I mean, they're so tight-fisted. They go through all their life like that. And wondering, and I can tell you, my, and I've struggled, and I've it's a challenge. I've had to learn myself. But when we give as God has prospered us, God is faithful to give back to that open hand. I think the Apostle in Ephesians clarified it when he said in chapter 4, As you have been forgiven, forgive. God's given us so much, then give to others. As we see God being generous, we are to be generous. What is asking, God asking us to do? He's asking us to use it or lose it. We've heard that phrase before. But you know that's really true in giving as well. A bell is not a bell until you ring it. A song is not a song until you sing it. Joy is not joy until you share it. Love is not true love until you give it away. An unused tool rusts. Money is a tool for God and for good. Don't let it rust away by grabbing onto it. No, let's get our hands and just say, you know what, it's the Lord's. I've been on this journey. He's prospered me so well. I just want to, Give what God has given to me. Now, there are five commandments for givers in the New Testament. There are several more, but these are the five that I believe really uh, share what God is trying to get to us. Give freely. Give abundantly, often. Give prosperously, that is, as He has blessed us so much. And number four, give willingly. Give willingly. Voluntarily. Readily. In Paul's great empowerment speech in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse 12. For if there first be a willing mind, a willing mind, you'd say, well, I'm not sure if I like this message. Do you have a willing? Are you willing? Now, if whether you do it or not, that's another thing, but are you willing to do it? That's the first step. Do you have a willing spirit? It's accepted according to the man has, and not according to the has not. God's not expecting us to do more than we can possibly do. can't give a million if you only got a thousand. I mean, really, that's not possible. But if we ask God to keep our hearts open and willing, then God can speak, and He will. If we haven't built such a blockade against it that He can't get through, we should ask God at the beginning of every day, Lord, give me eyes of compassion today. Or maybe during the day. Lord, give me eyes of compassion. Do you want me to help here, Lord? Do you want me to do something about this? Because we're always going to encounter people in need. Now, as prudent adults, we know you can't help every needy person. And unfortunately, there's so much scam out there that it's difficult. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't ever stop. That doesn't mean we shouldn't Ever help. Wisdom says you can't do everything, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't do anything. If our question is this, how little can I give and still be pleasing to God? Our heart is not in the right place. Paul said, be willing. And that's what he told people in First Timothy chapter 6. He told young Timothy, the pastor, he said, look, in your congregation, please tell the people this, that they should be rich in good works, Ready, not hard to get something out of, but always ready to give. Willing to communicate. That means give. If all of us would just be open and willing, and we'd be willing to do it often, God is looking for willingness. Someone once said, only put off until tomorrow what you are willing to die having left half. Friends, let's let nothing be left undone. From this day forward, be a giver and not a taker. I don't want to leave something undone I should have done. Five commandments this morning. Give freely. Give abundantly. Give prosperously. Give willingly. And then finally, give cheerfully. The word means profoundly, over-the-top giving which is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 7, every man, every person should do this. This is not just for some. Everybody, according as he purposes in his heart, everybody's left to their own spiritual liberty on this, every man, according as he purposes in his heart, we're talking about the offering now, not the tithe, as so let him give. There's that word again, give. Have a giver's heart. Are you a giver or are you a taker? Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. There's that word again, a giver. Am I a giver? Would giving characterize my lifestyle? You know, this verse is so often misapplied in our churches. Paul is not saying it matters not how much we give. As long as you have a good attitude, it's cool. (laughs) That is not what he is saying. Absolutely not. A cheerful heart is no substitute for an obedient heart. Our hearts should both be faithful and cheerful. Now the Greek word for cheerful, if you've been in church for a while, you know what that is. It is the Greek word hileros, which is our root for our English word, hilarious. God said, I want you to be a hilarious giving. It's just meaning that I'm so Energized by the Holy Spirit, I have this radical, generous spirit. Pastor Brian Bell, I love his sermons, said they had a long-standing policy in their church. If you have given grudgingly, just go and ask for the usher for it back and we'll give it back to you. I thought, wow. Now the fact is, we can't do that these days. And we certainly can't do it here in California, this close to San Francisco, because I'm sure someone will come to ushers and say, I gave $5,000, I want it back. But anyway, no, the fact of the matter is we shouldn't give grudgingly ever. What Paul is saying is, get with it, just get out there and have an eager heart, a cheerful heart. It's time to do it. Step up and do it. I hear people say all the time, well, I'm, I'm aiming the tide, I'm... I'm planning to tithe. I aim to give. Well, my idea is pull the trigger. I mean, let's get it done. All of us are going to leave our money when we die. And many, sadly, are going to leave 100% for your kids to squabble over. And I sure pray you won't do that, totally. That you will give a generous portion to the work of God. I can tell you the dreams and that dance in my heart for this great work here. And there's great works all around this world. But here at the home church, thrill my soul. I will tell you, we are just getting started here in this great ministry. I am thrilled about with well, a future and what God has planned. If he tarries his coming. And I can can't think of anything better than to invest in a work like that. A wise man said this, listen closely. Write this one down. Do your giving while you're living then you're knowing where it's going. And that is Pauline and ours' plan. We're going to do our living and we do our giving while we're living so we're knowing where it's going. You get the joy of doing it when we give with a cheerful heart. I read about a Presbyterian church. (laughs) A Presbyterian church, you can imagine. A Presbyterian church in Ghana, Africa. There at the offering time, they let their people dance during the offering time. They feel, and they do, they just have such a great time. It is such a privilege for them to give. They just give and they sacrifice. They have cheerful, radical dancing for the Lord. So I was just thinking about our ushers next week. Did some cheerful, radical dancing for the Lord here. Think about that. They'd come from all over just to watch the dancing ushers at the home church. We can start that here. <laughs> Radical, cheerful generosity. You'd say, what does it look like? I've mentioned him before, but I want to kind of uh, go a little deeper this morning. In the first half of our 20th century, there was a teenage boy by the name of R.G. Letourneau. He committed his life to Christ. He got born again at a revival meeting. As he became an adult, uh, he went on to be very successful in business, built several companies. He held over 300 patents in the United States. He was phenomenal in business, but even more so in his giving. In reversal of what is talked about in Scripture, he decided that he would God had blessed him so much He would live on the 10%, and he would give God 90%. He literally traded places with God. He was so used of the Lord, the missionologists say, that he really laid the groundwork for much of the explosion of Christianity in Latin America. We heard about it this morning in Brazil. Really, much of that was based on the money that R.G. Letourneau gave. Now, you'd say, well, Pastor, are you there that yet? No, that's not where I'm at, but that's a certainly a wonderful goal. It would be wonderful. And I will say, just so we're clear here, some of you with six kids and a single income, uh, just tithing, that's your cheerful giving, I will tell you. It's a challenge. But God hasn't called everybody to be a R.G. Letourneau. We have a few people in our church who are these kind of radical givers, and I know that, and God bless each of you. They do it for the kingdom, not for any glory. Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16. He said, When you give, you are laying for yourselves up, you're making friends of your mammon, and it will receive you in an everlasting habitation. What He says is, when you give to the Lord's work, faithfully, and you're faithful in that which is least, He said, when you get to heaven, it will receive you. Now look up here, friends. When we give, when we become a friend of the mammon God gives us, the treasures God gives us, we do that in two ways. There are two precious ways, treasures, that we can send to heaven. Two ways. The souls of human beings and the precious Word of God. So whatever we invest in souls and in the Word of God, those are the treasures that God says, go before us. And those are the ones that when we invest in, God blesses and He uses and He just gives so many blessings again and again. It really all goes back to the fact that each one of us are recipients of the great heart of giving of our Lord. You remember what John chapter 3 said, God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father God gave His only Son to us. That's how much of a giver He is. And He says to each of us here this morning, if you'll receive Jesus as your Savior, you can come to live in heaven forever. All of your sins will be forgiven. You'll never feel guilty again. And I just want to urge each of you here this morning, if for some reason you've never done that, Then today, accept the generosity of Father God who gave His only Son. You talk about a giver's heart. That's our wonderful Lord and Savior. Are you willing today to surrender and say, Yep, Lord, I want to have that kind of a heart. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our hands are bowed and our eyes are closed here this morning. Five commandments for givers. Our worship team has come. I've asked them to sing an old, wonderful hymn. I surrender all. That open hand we talked about sometimes sounds scary, but if it's not open, God can't place a blessing into it. God is ready to pour a blessing in each of our hands as we're willing to give. Are we willing to surrender? Would you stand with me, please? Everyone standing. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.